Good morning, everyone. Um, Lord, we just thank you that this word is um, is from you, and we just pray that um, yeah, that your spirit just moves through me and speaks through me, and that um, every single one of us, myself included, um, as I speak, that your your spirit will just get right into our hearts, Lord, and really convict us um, and project us further and further as you do every week. Um, so we pray that, pray that this word is a real blessing, not just for us, but for those around us as we take it home. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so uh, this message is going to be a bit of a challenge for you guys. Um, well, I hope you're challenged. If you're not, then it means that you're probably already there, which is great. Um, when my parents asked me to, to preach on this Sunday, I was like, oh, sick. And then I saw that it was Mother's Day. I was like, oh, okay, I can come up with like a Mother's Day-themed kind of message. Um, and then God was like, nah. So for any mothers who are expecting a Mother's Day-themed message, it's, it's not that. I'm sorry. Um, but you guys are incredible. I mean, maybe you could view it as that. Um, but what I actually felt for today um, is quite a big... It's quite confronting, I think, if you've never really thought about it. Um, And this is something that God's really shown me over this this last year. And I think um, it's something, honestly, I think it's something that I'm going to be wrestling with for the rest of my life. Um, You know, it's been really evident in my own heart over this little bit. But I know that, you know, life happens and sometimes it can be hard to kind of keep this journey. But I know that as I progress, it's... It's something that at the moment I desire to wrestle with and desire to to pursue. Um, so before going any further, I'm just going to tell you what it is. Um, if you guys, the, the, the main scripture we're going to kind of be, re- be reading from is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15. Just a very short two-verse passage. Um, verse 14 to 15. So 2 Corinthians 5... 14 to 15, Um, from verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live might no no longer live for themselves, but for him who who for their sake died and was raised. Um, Another interesting thing at the start, it says for the love of Christ controls us. There are other... Um, translations that say for the love of Christ compels us Um, but I think either way you look at it it's almost like this when you're transformed by love we are pushed towards living um, for him who died for us um, not for ourselves right Um, so we can see that as Christians we are called to live for Christ right um, this gift of life that we have actually has a purpose. There's a purpose for why we're here, but the purpose if there's a purpose, then it means that we should be using it. If, the, if it's a gift with a purpose, we should be using that gift. Um, so what does it mean to live for Christ? Well, I guess if you really boil it down um, to what Christ showed us, if we're called to live for Christ, then we look at what he told us to do. Um, and probably the greatest example of that is as he um, ascended after being resurrected and he told the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. So then it follows that to live for Christ 
is to make disciples, right? Um, and then we kind of follow on from that. It's like, well, how did Jesus make disciples? And I think if we look through his whole life, we can see a trend. He lived, and he lived with them and he taught them every single day. He performed miracles, but one of the, one of the things I noticed um, when looking over his miracles, like the vast majority of them were as a service, right? Like his very first one, turning water into wine, was for the guests of the party, was for the hosts actually, was, was providing wine for the guests so that people could have a good time. He did re- resurrections, two. He did healings, a bunch of healings. You know, things like even the really incredible ones like feeding the 5,000 and calming a storm, all of these were done for the service of the people around him. Um, you know, walking on water wasn't just a display of power. It was actually so that he could go and meet the disciples amidst this storm. Everything was for other people. The only thing that I could find that I could even think of was with the, with the fig tree where he cursed it. But even then, it was like, this is an incredible lesson that is for all of us. Everything was, was teaching. Everything was for others. He always poured out. Um, you know, and then I guess the epitome of this is in John uh, 13, verse 13, verse 3 to 15. I'm not going to read it out, but it's the story of when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And you'll notice that in, I think it's verse 3, it says, um, the Holy Spirit revealed to Jesus all that was um, meant for him. It's kind of ad hominem. Um, and then he gets up and he washes the disciples' feet. It's almost it's this direct correlation between Jesus realizing the authority that he has and now being like, all right, now I will wash your feet. So the perfect example of what it means to be an authority given by Jesus is that he's there to serve, right? He's there serving the people that he's leading, um, and he made a point that it's not just something that's encouraged, but he's actually making an example because this is what you do as a leader. Read John verse, uh, chapter 13 and read, just read that passage and look at all the intricacies in the way that it's not just like a thing that's encouraged, it's actually something that you just do as a leader. Um, and I just I kind of noticed that like in everything he served, right? So if you follow that logical path, We're called to live for Christ. Christ tells us that we are to make disciples. Jesus served his disciples. He made disciples by serving them and giving gifts. And so therefore, if we are called to live for Christ, we are called to serve. And that's not just people at the front. It's not just certain people a few people who are just kind of out the front of church, but that's every single one of us. As Christians, our very purpose is to serve. Now, thankfully, I'm not just coming up with this out of nowhere. I'm actually backed up by Paul. So I'm going to turn to Philippians 1, verse 21. And Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all 
for your progress and joy in the faith. So here we see that Paul has made that exact correlation where he says to live is Christ. To actually stay on this earth and to serve others is what we are called to do. You know, he's saying that he's living for the sake of the people around him because he makes a point. He said it would be far better to die, essentially saying that it would be so much easier to just go to heaven. Um, but it's almost like his love and his, his understanding of the importance of people overrides his own self-gain, right? And then we take it a step further. Because we look at not just Jesus' life, but Jesus' death, and then we see that that was, you know, the, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world were laid. This is actually something that is almost as if Jesus' whole purpose was to come and die for us. Well, no, that is what his whole purpose was to come and do, which means that Jesus' whole life and his whole purpose on this earth was for us and for our gain so that we could know God. And we know that God's asset is his people, so when we consider all of this, when we look at that flow of logic and we look at Jesus' example on the cross and how it was an, an eternal thing, wasn't just something that was planned in that moment, we see that if we're meant to be like Jesus, our purpose, our reason for existing on this earth is for the sake of other people. Now, here's the important thing. This, is, this isn't just an attitude. This is actually the framework Oh, this has to be the framework of our whole perspective. If we are to live for Christ, we therefore live for his people, and this changes everything. Our daily interactions, our motivations when we talk with people, when we, when we choose a certain path, just general decision-making. If we have it going through this filter, going through this framework, um, it, everything changes. And it actually adds stakes to what Carvin preached last week, right? What he, no, what he, what he charged us with. I, I listened to the sermon back um, actually just yesterday because I wasn't here last weekend. Um, and I was astounded by like, by how clearly it just flowed right in to this. But as I was listening, he was talking about for those of you that weren't here, is talking about not going back. You know, we have these incredible encounters with, with the Holy Spirit and we have these incredible encounters with Jesus and we give everything over to him and then the enemy starts hitting us with thing after thing and then all of a sudden we kind of start to fall back into old habits. We kind of resort to the old ways of thinking. And Carvin, you know, made this example. It's we're not going back so that we can be set apart and so that we can be an example for those around us. Um, and I want to use an example. Now, someone in our life group, who shall remain nameless, um, shared this story. Um, it was probably the perfect example, so that's why I had to steal this one. Um, but this person went shopping, and they were going around, and they, they used uh, their bag instead of the basket um, to put all their stuff in. And then as they got to the cashier... They put it, everything on the conveyor belt, put all the items through, and the, the cashier scanned everything, and then this person gave the cashier their bag at the end after they'd already put everything through. So for those of you that have worked in a supermarket, you can probably understand why that would upset them. Um, 
But this person made a point that the, that the cashier was pretty rude about it. It wasn't like a, hey, man, next time, if you could do this, that'd help me out. It was actually like, mate, if you, just, if you do that, it's just a lot easier. And it, was, and, and it kind of created a, um, a reaction in this person of like, oh, what? That's weird. And then, and the other, and this is why it's important. They they turned around, and there was this old couple behind them, and the old couple was on this person's side. Was like, I was a bit rude, and kind of had this face. I was like, oh, that was a bit odd. Um, and this person sharing the story talked about how it was, it kind of almost raised up this anger in them, but it, they had to like kind of control themselves um, in to control the frustration of just being spoken to so rudely by someone who's in customer service. So it's pretty understandable. But as we were talking, we started taking it apart and realizing that if we are set apart, those are the exact kind of things that are going to come against us every single day. And those are the exact moments that God is going to use so that we can be set apart, so that we can be an example to those people like the cashier, but not just to the cashier, to the old couple who was on their side and imagine being that old couple, seeing that interaction where you're seeing a manager, because the cashier was a manager, seeing the manager be rude to one of their customers, where the customer has every right to be like, what are you like? What are you talking about? You don't need to be so rude. But then to actually see that customer be like, oh, that's all right, man. No worries. Sorry. I'll try and make sure I do it better next time. And to actually stand out and be set apart and respond in grace and love. But here's the thing, and this is why what I was saying before about how we're here to serve people, this is why it adds stakes to what Carvin was saying. Because in that example, we actually have a responsibility to those people. It's not just about, God, give me strength. God, help me to rise above. It's actually, no, you have a responsibility to act in grace. You have a responsibility to be patient. You have a responsibility to act out in love when anybody tries to come against you and push you around. It's not just an encouragement, guys. This is a call to action. This is actually something that we need to get, that we need to understand. We need to rise above and be a light. This, it's not just behavior modification. It's not behavior modification. This is the very foundation of how we approach life. And that is to serve others. That should be our foundation. Um. Now, I think a few of you would probably know my, um, just my testimony in, in breadth, I think. I shared it a little while ago while preaching, but for those that don't know, just quickly, um, I can't remember if it was a year or two years ago now, but I had this moment where I was feeling like I was, um, I was frustrated with myself for not having enough time to, to, to kind of give time for the youth group. For those of you who don't know that I, I'm the youth director at this church. Um, and I was getting really frustrated. And I, I also, if you don't know me, I'm a musician. I actually work uh, during the week, although a lot less now. I'm about to tell you why. Um, I had this moment, however long ago, where God was like, look, if you're going to be a youth leader, then you need to make time. And I'm like, well, if I make time, that means that I'm going to have a lot less time to do music because that was the specific thing that was causing the conflict because the way that rehearsals and, and gigs would always work, it would usually clash with youth things. And that was when, when God was like, well, we've got to make a choice. 
And I knew at that moment that I had to choose youth. And I had to be like, all right, well, youth is way more important than my career, so all right. And I made that choice. Uh, It was pretty hard, but at the same time, since then, I've just felt so much peace. And it's not like I stopped music altogether, but I pretty much have been saying no to like 90% of gigs. And for any of you that are musicians out there, as soon as you say no to one gig, it just you lose like this whole branch of contacts because they get another person and then that like you pretty much just cut off that branch. So it's yeah, it's this interesting um, thing that God. It was it was a test. I honestly really believe that it was a test. Um, and then almost since then, it's like that te- my heart has been tested continually in this area. It's like continuously over the last year, maybe two years, maybe a year, I don't really remember anymore. Um, God has been constantly being like, all right, so is this really your heart? And I guess the the pinnacle of that was when at the start of this year I actually lost my job um, because they asked me to work four days a week. And I said no because my contract was for three days and I knew that I needed to have at least one day for youth. Um and they asked if I could do four, and I said, no, I cannot. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. He's like, all right, well, we're going to have to make your position redundant. And I'm like, all right, oh, no, we're going to have to hire someone in for five days, and we're going to make you redundant. And that for me was like, Whew, all right, cool. But at the same time, I knew that, that God had it, not because of some just blind like oh you know i know that god's got this but actually i i felt so convicted about my position with the youth and my choice to to not take on more outside work than i needed that i knew that god was going to bless that it was hard don't get me wrong there was a period of time where i had no idea what i was actually going to be doing but it still managed to work out in fact funnily enough it was me losing that job that then led to me thinking about other jobs and then being like, hey, actually, I think it would be a really good idea for the church to have an actual like, part-time youth director. So that's when I put in my, my proposal to the board of the church and then it got accepted. And so I started working for the church, which is really cool. Um, but for me, that just showed me that God has it and had it from the start. Um, but there was still the testing going through that. Um, but as I've kind of gone through this testing and as I've sort of lived my life for this last year and a bit maybe, it's, it's almost like these experiences, experiences have allowed God to shape me. It's like they've, so far, slowly, bit by bit, they've actually been transforming the very foundation on how I view my role in the world. You know, I've gained a deeper understanding of of my purpose which is to serve that it, I, it's not like god just called me to serve at this time it's actually my my calling throughout my whole life is and always will be to serve others um which right now just manifests as me being the youth director right and i think that's something that i want to really make sure is that it's not like my whole purpose is to serve as youth director my whole purpose is to serve but right now that just means God was like, all right, for now I want you to be the youth director. Um, because it's like as I've, as I've gone through this period, you just see more and more 
a deeper and deeper understanding of the finitude of this world. Do you know what I mean? Like this almost, it's just so inconsequential. There's, you, you might build up your riches, you might make all these grand achievements, you might achieve all this stuff, but eventually it's all going to turn to dust. I mean, there were emperors in, in ancient Rome that would have thought that they were on top of the world, but most, you know, maybe you learn about them in year eight, but like I bet none of you could name one, except, I mean, any, whatever, emperors except one. Like, all these grand empires, everything, it turns to dust, but what lasts is God's people. What actually has an everlasting impact is his people. That's why God's people are his assets. And his people are of the utmost importance. It doesn't matter what I desire if it's not from God. That said, though, when we have an intimate relationship with God, what we desire is also what he desires. So that's why it's so easy for me to say yes more and more to what he's calling me to do because it's actually something that my heart longs for the more I draw closer to him. And it was that revelation or this revelation that's got me to where I am. You know, I think a couple of weeks ago when mum announced that I was coming on, on on staff, she was like, she was talking about how surprised she was that one of her kids um, wants to actually join, like work for the, t- work for the church. Uh, she wasn't kidding, by the way. Uh, my family, I've seen some pretty rough stuff. Um, I've seen my parents go through things that you probably wouldn't believe. Um, my older siblings have lived through some stuff. I think I, by the, by the grace of God, I've, I've been young enough to sort of miss a couple of those things. Um, not all of them, but, and I've definitely seen enough to probably turn me off wanting to be any kind of full-time minister in my life or be anything. Um, yet, what called me to this role was God. And the understanding that God's people are the thing that he cares about the most. And if he cares about them that much, then I will make myself available at whatever capacity I can, whatever I'm able to do, I will service that vision. Because it was never about me. It was never about my, my dreams, my things. Because if I'm really, really pursuing God, then my dreams will be God's dreams. It's never about what I want to do over what God wants to do. It's always about, God, what do you want to do? Let me do what I can to service that. And so this is my challenge for you today. It's just a short one today, actually, it turns out. Um, can I get the musos up, please? See, this isn't, I said it before, this isn't behavior modification. I'm not trying to get people to change how they, I'm not, I'm, the end goal isn't to just change how you interact with each other. Because if Jesus has called us for this, it actually needs to be the foundation of our lives. Right? Living for others is what rising above looks like. You know, and I think it's important to mention that not everyone is called to part-time or full-time ministry. Not everyone's even necessarily called to lead in a church capacity. You know, being a youth director, being the director of youth is just something for me now, right? That may end up to me becoming youth pastor and then maybe some sort of full-time minister in the church. Or maybe this is the only church job I'll ever have. I don't know. 
because it's interesting that while this is going on and while I've sacrificed that that dream that I had for being a musician when I was a kid God's still opening up doors in the music world that I had no idea would ever be opened so to be honest I have no idea what he's planning but what I do know is that he's calling me right now to youth leadership and if I I'm not going to get in the way of that if God has a plan for the youth in this church then I'm not going to be the one to step and stop him all I know is that I'm always going to make myself available because my foundation is right but this is what I said before it's always going to be something that I'm going to wrestle with I'm going I always right now it's really easy for me to say that I'm always going to listen to God's voice but this is something I'm going to be having to challenge myself with daily because sometimes there might be something that God asks me to do that's like really far above what I want or like in the wrong direction of what I want or what my flesh wants and that's going to be a challenge but I pray and I have faith that God is going to give me the ability to say yes but it starts with the foundation so that's why this isn't an encouragement for you guys this is a challenge we have to get this because as soon as we understand this as soon as we get the foundation right it permeates into our relationships it permeates into our careers how we conduct ourselves in business our impact in our community around us in this community in the church it actually affects how we interact with each other when we when we have the mindset that I'm my purpose here is actually just to serve people it changes everything about how we talk to each other that said with in terms in regards to full-time ministry imagine how many pastors we would have if every christian got this right if every christian really understood what it meant to just live for serving other people like i said not everyone's called for it but imagine how many more we would have because i can tell you there's not a single pastor in this church that didn't have to respond to god's call there's not a single pastor that put their hand up to serve that didn't have to wrestle with what god was calling them asking them to do that but every single one of them understands the importance of god's people bernadette carvin my parents even herman every single one of them understands what it means to build into god's house which is his people that's his church that's his bride and they understand that it's so much more important than their own personal goals could you imagine if my parents when they were called to be pastors they were like nah a singing career's kind of taken off i'd rather be a pop singer i don't know I just keep I have all these hypothetical situations in my mind and I, I I'm often through this I'm astounded by how far my parents have come doing what they do knowing all the crap that they've gone through but I know and I know that their heart is only for people I've seen my mum weeping at home not because of any hurt that she's received but because she's grieving for the people in our city because she just cares so deeply I've seen my dad cry I never he never cried when I was a kid but I've seen him cry just about the people. And I think that's the kind of heart that God looks for. That's the kind of heart that God wants from every single one of us that it's all about it just is about people. That's all it ever was about. It's not about trying to build up the churches so that we can have you know a world full of churches. 
It's actually so that we could have a world full of believers, a world full of people who are looking to serve each other and who are longing to bring each other closer to God because that's what discipleship is. That's what a, a godly relationship is when we have a relationship where the two of you are, are constantly pushing each other towards God and that's what we should be doing in every single day of our lives. Now again, I need to press home that it's not like the full-time ministry thing. It's not for everyone. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But that said, I tell you, there's no greater joy than seeing someone who you've been leading for years finally encounter Jesus. You know, the only time I've ever even come close to crying nearly as much as I did at my wedding was at a youth camp where one of our boys, um, he's not here today, so it's okay, he had an encounter with Jesus, like a, a true encounter with Jesus. And he'd been struggling his whole life with rejection. And there was a point where a couple months earlier, he separated himself from the, from the rest of the group and went over and I went over to talk to him and he was just there. And there was a bit of an argument going on. And so as I was talking to him, it just started to come out how he just didn't feel worthy. And then he just was on his face bawling because he didn't feel like he was worthy of the love of Jesus. This is a, he was 15 at the time. This is a 15 year old kid who's just lying on the floor bawling his eyes out because he doesn't feel like he's worthy of the love of Jesus. And then you fast forward a couple months to this youth camp that we're at and at the end of the camp, we're all in a circle praying and just in front of a hundred kids, he just says the most simple prayer. He just says, Jesus, thank you for not giving up on us, even when we've given up on ourselves. You see, God will always chase after his people. And you are not going to get in the way, but what an honor to be a part of that. You think I'm going to give that up for any gig in the world? To be a part of that journey? You can still live a blessed life if you don't get this. You can still be a Christian. You can still be someone who lives for God. But what an honor. What an honor it is to just love people sometimes I think we forget the leading we, a lot of the time we view leading as, as a responsibility, as a burden but I think sometimes we forget that it's an honour it's an honour to be chosen by God to lead his people to be a part of the journey of them receiving Jesus for themselves but guys it has to start with the heart we have to get that foundation right and then the blessing will follow. You know, it's not like it's not like a curse happens if we don't do this. But living for yourself, there's just a lack of blessing. There's, a, there's, there's consequences. You know, the UN report came out this week. I don't know if you guys have, have, have heard about that or seen that. Or might, maybe two weeks ago. But it's basically all these scientists, like I think it was like 150, 145 expert authors got together from 50 countries, from all these different branches of the, of the research community talking about how the world's in a really bad state. 
essentially, and that one million species are set to die or go extinct. And all I could think of was when you compare that to what Jesus commands us to do in Genesis, where he says, rule over this land, essentially telling us to be stewards over this land. But when you have humans who are just living for themselves, those are the consequences. It's not like God brought a curse upon the world. It's that we brought this on the world as humans. There's no curse. It's just a severe lack of blessing. So that's why I'm saying that it's not about, this isn't, this isn't telling you that you have to serve in a particular way. I'm just saying, just get your heart right. Just understand what it means to live for other people because our life is a gift from God. Our life is actually a blessing from Him. So my challenge is to use that blessing, use that gift to start living for others every single day in your relationships, the way that you treat your spouse or your kids or your parents. You know, if you look at your mother today and if you, if you think about the way that you've treated her, have you lived serving her? Because I can tell you, she's lived her whole life serving you. In your other relationships, just with your family, with your work colleagues, your friends from school or uni, are you serving the people that are around you? Are you actually laying down your life daily not just so that you can be freed from stuff yourself, but so that you can be a blessing to the people that are around you. You know, in this community, are you living for the people that are part of your community here at church? Whatever that looks like, even just people that you talk to on the street, every single person you have a responsibility to. It's not just an encouragement, guys. This is actually a challenge. This is something that we need to, that we need to do as a responsibility that we have to those in our lives around us. And if you start to get this right, if you start to really let your heart develop in this way, you'll be amazed by what God does to change you in the process. I think you'd be surprised by where he takes you. I never thought I would ever be working for the church as a youth leader like this in this capacity. And I honestly don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years, but all I know is that I am desperate to say yes to when God calls me. I'm desperate that my future, I, I really hope and I pray that my future self will know to continually lay down his life to say yes to what God is calling him to do. Because my life has been changed so dramatically from just from the last couple of years because of it. Think about how if we're made for worship, if we're made for Christ, what does that actually look like in our lives? What does it actually mean to live for Jesus? It's not just, Jesus, you're great and I love you every day and I'm going to constantly praise your name. Yes, we do that. But in, the, in the, like the daily interactions with people, we can't be saying, yes, Jesus, I love you and you're the best and then, and then be talking to someone and not really caring about helping them out that there's a disconnect there it's actually an all-encompassing principle that we need to understand so I just feel like God's saying just engage with that even if you have to go home and wrestle with it tonight but just engage with what what it is that God is calling you to do whatever God is calling you to serve in 
even if he's convicted you about a certain relationship that you've realized that you haven't been servant-hearted in, in the way maybe that you've treated your significant other, your wife or your husband. Maybe it's the way that you've treated your kids. I just feel like God is saying there's a tugging on your heart and just engage with that. says Jesus knowing Jesus knowing so a revelation has happened that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God imagine God revealing to you and giving everything into your hands like having that revelation just ask yourself what would you actually do with that kind of power he gave Jesus everything. And Jesus knew this in this moment. But what is Jesus' reaction to it? What, is, what, what does he actually do after receiving this incredible revelation of what God, his Father, has done? He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. Taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He's given everything and his action is to serve other people. He doesn't boast about what he's been given. He doesn't say, I am God. He doesn't say, guess what, guys? The Father just revealed to me, I know this now. Everything is mine. We can conquer everything. No. He serves his people. He serves his father's children. He serves the disciples. And he doesn't just serve them in lip service. He actually actions it by getting on his knees and washing their feet. He goes to the lowest part of them and he washes them. He pours on himself. There is nothing more fulfilling than us actually do. That is foundation right there. To do that and I really sense the heart of God is this, and the heart of God is really coming on us as his children to do the same for people. Power. 
powerful message. Let's do what Josh has challenged us. Let's all go home and actually allow God to speak to our hearts. And the very thing that some of us might even be feeling, it might be a number of things. We might all have a list of how we can actually action the love of God through our lives better by serving people. Because again, yes, it is not behavior modification. It is actually the foundation of our purpose and why we're here. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your heart. I thank you, Lord, because you are doing the work in us. It is not by our performance. It is not by our ability. It is just us surrendering to you. It is just us giving and laying it down before you. We were made to worship you. And you have given us a will. And with that will, Lord, we make the choice to lay it down before you. Have your way in our hearts. We accept this challenge of how you want to live out the purpose you've given us through us so that others can know how much you love them. So I pray your peace, I pray your grace, I pray your obedience. I pray, Lord, that we will have obedient hearts to you and have the the humility you had when you died on the cross for us. This word will convert and change the very core of how we think and how we see life. I pray your protection around everyone here, Lord. And I pray the benediction on everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.